You are traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Tone Zone. And welcome to the Tone Zone. I'm your host, Anthony Mullen. And today, uh, we're continuing our Star Wars retrospective. We took a uh, break last week with the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're back on Star Wars. Today, I'm joined by Caitlin Kimball. How are you doing? Hello. I'm excited to be back. And today's a pretty different episode. We're talking... uh, We do have a movie discussion later on. But the main thing I want to talk about is you just got back from uh, Walt Disney World. And more specifically, Galaxy's Edge. I mean, obviously, this came out in, uh, I believe it was August, because I was there a month earlier. (laughs) I still am not very happy about that. Um, Missed out. So, it's the big new thing at Disney World and Disneyland. And from what I've heard and what I've seen, it's the most ambitious thing they've done yet. So, just give me your impressions of it overall, and then we'll go more in depth. So yeah, it's Disney's billion dollar project to create this billion galaxy. Billion dollars. Billion dollars. Oh my goodness. And that's before they just put in Rise of the Resistance. So big money spent by Disney, but there is still so much hype about it. And that's what I think I loved was waiting because we got there way early to like be able to go on Smuggler's Run and not wait three hours. But just being around people that were so excited to walk under the bridge and be transported into this new world. Was made everything really exciting to be with all these people and to all be transported at the same time. And we were also led from the entrance of Hollywood Studios by stormtroopers into Batu. So wow, it was awesome. You felt like you were part of it. Yeah, a thing. A thing I've always appreciated with uh, Disney, and obviously going there again, they do a really good job with their theme parks in immersing you in the type of oh, world yeah, they want sure. you to be in. I mean, when I went, it was. The big thing was Toy Story Land, mm-hmm. and the theming around it is amazing. There's so much detail to everything. And I love that. From what I've seen with Galaxy's Edge, it's really detailed. Yes. It's, it looks authentic to mm-hmm. the, not probably the original trilogy most, and then the new uh, trilogy, not so much the prequels, not, which yeah, was a little disappointing that. to find out. But um, yeah, just... Let's talk about the authenticity of Galaxy's Edge. It was, I think I mentioned, I know we're going to talk about the cantina later, but it was the fact that I walked into the cantina, and it sounds cliche, but I felt like I was right there. I felt like I was in, technically, like the movie said, being in the cantina. It felt like they just picked up whatever they had from A New Hope and just dropped it right in Disney, and you felt like you've been there from the beginning. Like, this isn't some replica. You have, oh my god. You have the music, you have the waiters are like walking around in like funky, like, not, I don't want to say costumes, but costumes. Yeah. And you have, they would play music. So, of course, they would play like the opening soundtrack to Star Wars, like when, when you would walk through the park in the morning. And then in the cantina, they would have these like drinking games. Then they would be like, oh, this is my tradition. I love this. And we would play like drinking, clapping games in the cantina <laughs> and buying stuff from the marketplace and like, little stands along the walkway they would talk about how you're doing a good trade and they called your money units and they would like talk to you and ask where their droids are and it was pretty you were right there you were 
you were in the galaxy. I think from what I've seen with uh, the whole Galaxy's Edge, watching videos on YouTube, because obviously I can't <laughs> fly down to Orlando again. Um, the sure? thing that's really impressed me is the actors. I oh, mean, yeah, obviously, amazing. obviously, that's going to be Ray, Kylo Ren, Stormtroopers. Yes. But the story of Batu that it creates about how the First Order's there and they're mm -hmm. looking for the rebel base. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen, I mean, obviously. Did you have any first-hand experience with the actors? I, well, we were walking out of Galaxy's Edge, and when we were walking back to, like, the main part of, like, the walkway for Hollywood Studios, they had a, like, procession of Rey and the Stormtroopers and Darth Maul oh. and Vader. So they kind of put the conglomerate all together, but they were so in character. Like, the Stormtroopers, like, stopped me and, like, wouldn't let me pass because they were walking through with Vader. And... Even, like I said, the people in the marketplace that were like, oh my god, they had the, I can't even describe it. They had Ewoks there, which was kind of weird. Really? They had Ewoks wow. there. But they were, like, talking about the Ewoks, and all, they had a shop for where you could get the animals, and, like, really into detail with that. So, yeah. They did a great job. I'm going to keep saying that over yeah. and over again, but, oh, yeah. so much detail. The, the thing I've seen and I really like is how the Resistance characters the rebels mm -hmm. they would come up to you and they're kind of talking quietly yes they don't want to be caught by yes. the first order i just think that's really cool and that's honestly something that i didn't really see out of any part of disney world mm -hmm. because i mean you look at um let's say toy story land yes there's not really anything there besides the rides which do a exactly. very good job telling a story i mean the slinky dog ride is amazing mm -hmm. because of that yes. it tells a really great story uh within toy story and but Galaxy's Edge, it feels like a concerted effort to kind of always make you feel immersed. Yes. Not to deviate from Disney World and Galaxy's Edge, but for some point in time, I like Disneyland better than Disney World because at Disneyland, instead of having to wait in line and like talk to the characters and like have to like put yourself in the position to talk to them, they would walk around and come up to you. So you had Peter Pan like running all over the place and like by Sleeping Beauty's castle and like coming up to you and talking to you and you would have oh god the princesses would walk around and come up to you so I liked that because again it felt like Galaxy's Edge like you were there and then having Galaxy's Edge have you have the rebels coming up to you you have the stormtroopers stopping you and then you have trades going on within the marketplace and buying food it I really think I switch back to liking Disney World more because of that experience yeah I think I think I do prefer the whole they make an effort to kind of immerse you yes. instead of waiting in a line to take a picture with them. Yeah. But I think we really have to appreciate what, like, how hard of an effort that is for the actors. Oh, it's a, you got to yes. do that all day. Of Like, for the guy dressing up as Kylo Ren, you got to do oh, it in all mm -hmm. black and a mask. Mm -hmm. And it's just really impressive. And I don't think they get the they respect they deserve. Yes. Yeah, definitely. More credit for their job because that's hard. I couldn't. To be able to mask a character that is so world-renowned to be that person so yeah they deserve some credit yes I definitely agree with that. and i think it's funny every ray i've seen has a british accent like daisy yes. ridley yes it's ray talked and i was like oh i'm so doubtful that you're actually british but yeah i i just accent. think that's great uh so do you have anything else to say about the authenticity i think we've kind of heaped its praises for about five minutes <laughs> yes so. it's it's hard to describe. I'm definitely not doing justice, really, as to how perfect they made this world. But the one thing I can say is that my mom was really skeptical about 
how like how much money Disney put into this. She's big on Disney news. She knows a little too much of everything. So yeah, she was like, I know Disney put a lot of money into this and she loves Star Wars, but she says Star Wars films are ugly. <laughs> so wow. yeah, she's... Well, She's, that's kind like of I the said, point critical. of it. All. Exactly. She doesn't like that they're all dirt and snow. I'm like, Mom, okay. But anywho, mm. she walked into Galaxy's Edge, and she was amazed. She was like, I was expecting dirty droids and rocks, and she was like, I was literally amazed. She's like, it kind of took my breath away. So wow. that's something She to doesn't say about like that. the dirtiness of Star Wars. Does not like the dirtiness. That would mean she would not like the movie we were talking about today, Solo, no, a Star Wars yeah. story. We'll get to that later. I don't just think wanted she's to. actually seen that one. Speaking I just wanted to introduce that. <laughs> um, a quick question before we kind of go through everything yes. at Galaxy's Edge and give, our, uh, give an opinion on it. Um, so going through Batu, um, obviously, from what I've seen, I know I'm going to say that a lot, but from what I've seen, uh, a lot of it evokes the feel of like a Tatooine. Do you feel like it has enough of an identity by itself to just be Batu and not like, why isn't this Tatooine? I kept, not that I was saying I was in Tatooine, but subconsciously I felt like I was there more so than Batu because you kept seeing... The Millennium Falcon was like the star piece of being there. Mm-hmm. So seeing that brought me back to A New Hope and the original trilogy and being through like the journeys through and Hoth and Tatooine and all that on that ship. So yes, it mm, I'm kind of contradicting myself now. I would say no. It felt more like Tatooine in places we've all seen and known and been there before, quote unquote, more so than being its own entity. I okay. I think that's kind of fair for what they've done because it's kind of a hard task to do. You got to encapsulate eight, nine movies, yeah. now nine movies yeah. of Star Wars into one land. So it makes sense. And obviously, it's more uh, focused on the new movies. Yes. The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Um, and you can't really have them in Tatooine. So you kind of alter it a little yes. bit. And it's basically them in Tatooine. Yes. It was smart. Again, more detail. Yes. They needed to create this new planet because or else, like you said, it wouldn't plot lines wouldn't line up or be mm-hmm. like, how could everyone be here at this planet? So, yeah, because I mean, if you use Tatooine, it's obviously if you're invoking the uh, how we see it in A New Hope, it's mm-hmm. more bounty hunters it's more like it it, it, is it more bounty hunter or more kind of neutral because batu the story they've given it in the canon star wars universe is that it's uh neutral to both the first order and the resistance it's not a lot of bounty hunters it's more of the resistance sneaking around and having the imperial order try to like watch over you so so if they did that in like tat- if they tried to make Tatooine again and they had just the resistance kind of mm-hmm. that kind of conflict between the two yes. it wouldn't really feel like Tatooine exactly so in a way you're kind of at fair. crossroads there yes yeah. either create this world that people like have seen before but have like a incomplete plotline storyline or create a new world so I like that too. They did a little bit it's, of both. Yes, it's a nice place. I can't say that it's a I can't say it's an entirely new planet. Like, everything's different. Like, that wouldn't be fair because, like I said, I kept getting reminded of Tatooine and little details here and there, so. Yeah, and I, I really don't think we can complain because even if it was just a copy Tatooine, 
we don't have tattooing on this planet True. so it, True. it's better than nothing exactly. definitely and especially it's amazing especially the quality oh, yeah. uh, that it is oh, yeah. so uh i just kind of want to run down the main parts of galaxy's edge mm -hmm. Uh, I'll start with the place that uh, I don't think you went to. You didn't really experience. I mean, obviously, a lightsaber is $200, <laughs> a droid's $100, Savvy's Workshop, and then the Droid Depot. I think I'm most impressed from what I've seen pre-Rise of the Resistance mm -hmm. with Savvy's Workshop because it feels like a $200 experience yes. plus the lightsaber. I got to walk through there, which was surprising because there was a line out the door waiting to go in and make the lightsaber. and. I think I went, yeah, in the droids too. So I walked through, and again, more authenticity to how you had like the droid parts, like on, I don't even know how to describe it. They were like up on the ceiling and they were going through a conveyor belt and kind of like oh, floating cool. around. So you got to look up and you kind would of see, attack like, of the a, clones, yes, that conveyor yes. belt. Yes. So that was cool because they would like fly over your head and you could point out, be like, oh, that looks like the arm of C3PO or oh, you got an R2 unit head. And so. It was kind of like a search and find being in there, and I think that's I spent more detail looking around than watching people make a lightsaber. But I wish I could make a lightsaber, but <laughs> that thing is huge and $200, and I'm surprised people are allowed to carry them around the park because of I think you have to, safety issues. I think you have to like it's have in it a in case, a... Yeah. Yes. So it's huge. It's as tall as a person. Wow. So it wow. would probably be almost as tall as me, seeing people carry this thing around. I do really like the... Uh customization of the lightsabers yes. you've got like i think it's five different themes you can do mm -hmm. and then obviously you have the assortment of lightsaber colors mm -hmm. blue green red obviously a lot uh, of red there which really? surprised me Ugh. when people were making them i saw a lot of red i saw somebody um again my only experience on this is youtube <laughs> so i saw somebody making a red lightsaber and uh the person running it was like, oh, we're going to have to keep an eye on you. <laughs> so it makes, I mean, yes. as I said, it feels like a $200 experience from what I've seen. Um, plus, obviously, a very high quality lightsaber. If I had the money and didn't have eight more hours left in the park that day, I probably would have made one because how could you not? But it's a time commitment and a money commitment. So that's it's why, a special experience. That's why I'm scared to go to Galaxy's Edge. Because if I go there, I'm i'm making a lightsaber <laughs> yes. i there's there's no other way around it oh, i'm gonna to. have to you have to do it for this do yeah it for the podcast and then for the droid uh depot uh it's just r2d2 and bb8 units you can yes. make r2 and bb a lot of bb8 units with the younger kids which i thought was funny because these are the movies they're watching now so they made these bb8 units and i was less impressed with the droids than with the lightsabers because you would have like this area they would like take you outside and you could like play with your new droids that you have and like seeing them a lot of kids were making them so you have like a lot of purple didn't really like the purple droids mm. that's just my opinion but it was not yeah not as cool to see the droids as it was the lightsabers which i thought would be the opposite because I'm like you're making a droid here so yeah i would much recommend more, the lightsaber a droid would mean much more interactive and, but yeah. i feel like I was uh, less impressed. Yeah, it feels more supplementary, mm -hmm. like Smuggler's Run to Rise of the Resistance. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about Smuggler's Run. Obviously, uh, we're recording this on the uh, the seventh. Mm -hmm. It uh, Rise of the Resistance, the most ambitious Disney World and yes. Disneyland attraction, released on the fifth. Mm -hmm. You left on the fourth. <laughs> uh, so. Uh. Your main ride experience at Galaxy's Edge was Smuggler's Run. It was. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? I was very 
excited in the beginning to be going on this ride. So we got there before rope drop. I think we waited in line from park opened at 8. So we got there around 7. And so, mind you, there's already hundreds of people there ready to get in. And they start, like, stormtroopers are leading us through. We go through the Galaxy's Edge. We kind of passed a Toy Story, which was kind of weird to go from Toy Story to Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. But anywho, we get in the line, and they have you automatically pair off in twos. So they start hmm. funneling the line down from 20 people across, and they're like, you have to get in twos, or we can't let you on this ride. So that was kind of weird to be, like, frantic and watching everyone try to, like, pair off. But they, like, kept it to a science. They had, like, they were corralling you in. And compared to the usual hour plus wait that people wait for this, I only waited 20 minutes maybe to like wow. by the time I walked from the entrance and got in the cockpit, it was probably 20 minutes. That's kind of how so my nice. experience was with the Avatar ride. We went there yeah. really early and it was about that's smart. 20 minutes. I'd recommend going early because yeah, but that's the thing. So the best part of Smuggler's Run was being handed our, they call them boarding passes, to be handed our passes to see who were the pilots, the gunners, and the engineers. So my brother and I were the pilots, which I probably should not have been a pilot. <laughs> that was probably the first mistake. And then they would section you off. So there's six people to a, I'm keep calling it the cockpit, but six people to the ride, technically. And they would group you all off. And then, so I was with my family of four. And we had two other random people. They were nice, I guess. <laughs> and they would group you into, you would be in the Millennium Falcon. So... When I was sending you pictures, I, like, saw the bench and, like, the, yeah. the checkered board table, and it looked, you could, like, see into the cockpit. And so that was probably the best part, was standing there with my boarding pass, being able to, like, walk around the Millennium Falcon, because when else could you do that kind of thing? And then the ride. I'm going to sound so critical of this, but... The Smuggler's Run is, like, a video game, and as one who does not play a lot of video games... It was not really my most favorite thing. So you're seated in your seats and you have your six people in there. So my brother and I were up front, which is cool because I'm watching through the screen technically, window quote unquote. And you're being guided. You have like a droid guide to like take you. Ours was a droid at least, to like take you through the and tells you when to turn and when to break and all that. But you're so overwhelmed with trying to listen to your droid and watching the screen and you're in the Millennium Falcon. That it's like, I, at one point I really wasn't flying. Like, I was supposed to be <laughs> flying the Millennium Falcon, and I was just kind of sitting there like, I'm right here. So, if you like video games and you like having the guns and flying and trying to control this contraption, you would love this. But as for one that likes to sit and enjoy and be immersed in the experience, I was very overwhelmed having to, like, because it's a game, technically. You try to... Every time you hit something, you lose points. If you get shot, you lose points. So it's a game, big video game. And so after the ride, my brother yelled at me for like five <laughs> minutes saying how terrible I was and how I shouldn't have been a pilot. And I'm like, okay, so it's not a very bonding experience also. Like you'll have, I guess my brother hated how I did and said I shouldn't have been on the ride. So... <laughs> If you, like I keep saying, if you like video games and you are good with multitasking, being able to like watch and listen and control and talk to the other people in your crew, it's a lot. You would like it. But as for one that's just wants to sit and watch technically, like how Rise of the Resistance is, it was not my most favorite time. Like I would not have waited an hour to do it again or even yeah. have waited an hour to do it. I, I feel like that as well. 
with the Avatar ride because I waited 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But after riding it, I thought it was fine. I thought it was pretty good. And I was like, I'm not waiting an hour for this. I've never waited an hour for this. And kind of your opinion on Smuggler's Run, uh, it brings up something really interesting with Disney and the way they uh, they make their rides. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have like the Cedar Point, you have the Six Flag method yes. of rides, which is kind of the thrill-seeking. Yes. It's uh, just sit and let the things mm-hmm. happen. But I think Disney, I mean, obviously, as we've said, Disney is really um, pushing the immersion. Mm-hmm. So maybe... Um, I definitely think this is what the case is. They want the immersion to go into you're actually doing it. Yes. I mean, I saw that with Toy Story Mania, which I oh, yeah, which I, I quite enjoyed. Right? Yes. Um, what was the name of the you're an astronaut um Mission to Mars, something like that. Oh, I Mission don't. Space. Mission Space. That was it. Uh it's kind of like the interactive stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely see how people would just rather sit and be immersed yeah. that way. There's two different kinds of immersion, mm-hmm. and, and they're going for one that can alienate some people. Yes. If I, I would need to do Smuggler's Run quite a few times to get used to it, and maybe try like being the engineer, being the gunner, because clearly I should not be a pilot <laughs> after I can't steer for the life of me, I guess. So I would need a few times and try the engineer and the gunner position to like find something I like, because as of now, it's really not my most favorite thing to do which is kind of sad because it was an amazing experience, but I'm not dying to go back and do it, if that makes sense. I think, uh, probably just for me, but Smuggler's Run sounds like something that uh, would be really fun. Obviously, as you said, going over and over, getting better at it. Yes. And especially now because it's the secondary ride, Mm -hmm. because now you have Rise of the Resistance, which is based on uh i follow somebody on uh twitter who i trust on this stuff and uh they've said that it's the most ambitious thing disney's ever done for their rides the video is amazing it's three rides in one and it's really cool but and i think it's i think it's something you would like more because it's just sitting and being immersed yes going through the star killer base not the star killer base the uh star destroyer Mm -hmm. yeah it looks so cool so yes, if you like video games and you are, because like I said, I don't really play much. I'm not, that's not my thing. I like Mario Kart and the Lego games. <laughs> so if you're into that, you would like Smuggler's Run way more than I did. It's probably, not, I'm probably not the best person to be talking about it because alas of my lack of experience. But for the people that haven't really heard about this ride or want to know a firsthand experience, that was mine. So Disney still did a great job. It's still a great ride. It just didn't, I just didn't love it. Yeah. So obviously, as we said, like the two different kinds of immersion. Yes. I think going off immersion, I think the most immersive place that I've seen is the marketplace. I feel like when I go, when I eventually cave in and go to Galaxy's (laughs) Edge, I feel like that's going to be my favorite part because it fe- it looks exactly like uh as i said a tatooine marketplace mm-hmm. which could be a negative for some people but come on it just looks it's like so it looks like cool. the phantom menace the whole watto mm-hmm. i love watto oh god it was great and something i don't like which i did experience at disney world boy are the prices high yeah it was... like the food is mm-hmm. very expensive oh yeah getting a coke was 6 dollars the blue milk seven dollars. It's a water's four, so oh. just don't drink there, I guess. Yeah, I just I've got a big problem, and I saw a I watched a video uh, in research for this. 
it was uh comparing the changes from this opening of galaxy's edge to now Ooh, how much did all it all it is is price increases oh, I bet. so i think the coolest thing that i've seen at galaxy's edge being sold is do you know in rogue one like the the wooden stormtrooper mm-hmm. doll mm-hmm. they sell that and it was 25 dollars at launch now it's forty dollars. Of course it is. Oh and I thought God. that was really cool that they had, but now I, I for twenty five dollars, it's like yeah, of course that's yes, really for cool. For Disney, that's a good price. It's still expensive compared to Canton, Ohio, but for Disney, twenty five is probably a solid price. But now it's forty. Yeah, so. I don't have forty dollars. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have anything else to say on Galaxy's Edge? I mean, I think we kind of went through we, everything. Yes, I talked about how great it was. It's, it's definitely a one of a kind experience that cannot be matched. Like, I have never been in an area where I felt like I was part of the story where I am talking to the Resistance and I'm giving side-eye to the Stormtroopers <laughs> and I'm flying the Millennium Falcon even though I sucked at it. So, it's, you can't miss it. I don't even care if you don't like Star Wars or you haven't been as dedicated as other people are, you would still love it there. And I think that's another key thing from Disney is that I think if I brought my grandma, who doesn't know a thing about Star Wars, she would still be amazed with the architecture and the detail and the actors. And I think that's a great thing to have, is that everyone can be involved and amazed in this project. Yeah, I think that's a great thing with most Disney stuff, because, I mean, I am keep comparing it to the Avatar, to uh, mm-hmm. Pandora, but um, that was the biggest thing at Disney World when I went. Uh, but I can't name five characters from the movie I Avatar. Even seen the movie. I don't. I I do respect it, but I don't think it's that great. Uh, but boy, it's a really good part of Animal Kingdom. It Animal Kingdom needed that ride. It so really yeah. immerses you in that way. So yeah, I think I think our final takeaways from Galaxy's Edge is, I mean, obviously without Rise of the Resistance, there it was a little um it was incomplete. Lacking with the because that's what you go you have the rides and stuff like so yeah rise of the resistance people keep saying that rise of the resistance will like help boost galaxy's edge because disney expected like a huge influx of people but they lacked in that so having rise of the resistance will definitely bring and increase those numbers of people coming and I, I think, think that's what they wanted i think it's gonna do that oh for sure definitely oh yeah and it's it's weird um it's it's only at Disney World right now. Mm-hmm. In January, it's at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So it's kind, of, it's kind of weird that the Orlando one gets it first. May, I think they were doing better at Disneyland, and that's why they pushed uh, oh, to have that would make Orlando's sense. open for it. I think I read that, that they had a better response in California to this new area than they did in Orlando. So they tried to push Rise of the Resistance hmm. first. They had a lot of press there when I was there, too. So really? I'll be amazed if people don't know about this ride. And, uh, I mean, obviously Disney World got Galaxy's Edge. The Disneyland's going to get the Marvel stuff because of the universal rights Mm -hmm. with Marvel that are murky, but yeah. (laughs) So I think everything, talking to you while you were there and now, I probably would say it's the best, the main attraction of Disney World, at least obviously for me. But I think for anyone, I think it's the most quality experience Mm -hmm. you can get from Disney World, yes. is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. It's it's a star piece there. You can't just go there anymore and not go to Galaxy's Edge. I think that's the new key component. It's no longer, longer Cinderella's Castle. You have to go to Galaxy's Edge. Cinderella's Castle, <laughs> my goodness. 
Yeah, it's no longer uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, no. that rye. That just needs to calm down i i think it's weird i this is going on a little bit of a tangent i think it's really funny how uh disney has made so many movies off its rides oh yes and it's it's like they've got stuff on the other way around obviously with like star wars Mm -hmm. and avatar and that stuff but like pirates of the caribbean was a movie made out because of a ride Mm -hmm. and then you've got the jungle cruise movie with the rock and emily blunt yeah that's a good ride but yeah I don't know why. I also love Peter Pan. I know I'm going on a tangent. I don't know why people wait 95 minutes for that ride. Just, uh, yes. Yeah, no. I would wait seven minutes. I love Peter Pan. That's my favorite Disney movie, but I would not really? wait that long. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my side note. Hopefully these people will stay at Peter Pan's flight in Small World so that I can get on Rise of the Resistance sooner. <laughs> so maybe that will happen. Yeah. I, I did hear, obviously going back to Smuggler's, Smuggler's Run, uh, when Rise of Resistance came out these past few days, Smugglers Run, 10-minute wait. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think, checked. It's 40 right now, and that's short for... A Saturday. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I think definitely now with Rise of the Resistance, Galaxy's Edge is more complete. Mm-hmm. It feels more fleshed out. And I all, I've always loved the idea of having a story like that takes place in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've made books on it you gave me uh the first issue of the comic which i'm really appreciative thank you uh i just really like the idea of kind of having a place that branches off to new star wars stories Mm -hmm. star wars needs to live forever (laughs) we can't let this wonderful piece of film and like the fan base that can die it needs to stay around for a long long time and i think it will yeah i mean i think i think it's going to be a big thing Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think especially Rides of the Resistance, Resistance is going to help that. I hope to ride that ride sooner than later, but it'll probably be two years <laughs> before I go back. Yeah, probably be four for me. We'll see. Uh, so do you have anything else to say? I think I, I think I covered it. I say go to Galaxy's Edge. It's amazing. Can't, can't miss that in your life. It's cool. <laughs> so uh, the reason I wanted to uh, pair Galaxy's Edge with uh, Solo, not only is Han Solo your favorite character in any Love of the movies. Him. He's the best. Uh, a lot of the attractions do feel li- like Smuggler's Run, obviously, in the name. Um, it invokes the feeling of kind of the, uh, the scrappy um, bounty hunters mm-hmm. and the Han Solo types mm-hmm. uh, of Star Wars. And I don't think any movie is really rooted in that more than Solo. Yes, I'll agree with that. And Solo by itself is a very interesting movie. Uh, I mean, you had um, very uh, bad things happen to the movie uh, behind the <laughs> scenes. It, yes. um, and honestly, I mean, I, I'm kind of spoiling my opinion on this, but <laughs> I, I think it, it's kind of a miracle that it's as <laughs> watchable and as fun as it is. I, yes, it's, uh, since Han is my favorite character, I was so excited for this movie, and I think I'm being biased towards it, but it took me a couple times as I rewatched it to really, I'm going to say the word appreciate it more so than like it, because there are some good parts and some bad parts, but overall it is not one of the best Star Wars movies offshoots that I have seen. Yeah, I think um, I I ranked the Star Wars movies uh, like three months ago, and I think it's right below Rogue One. But we're gonna get to ro- comparing <laughs> it to Rogue One. Got some opinions on that. 
So I think the biggest takeaway from Solo, I think from everyone, is that it really doesn't need to exist. Yes. I mean, obviously creating a prequel movie, an origin story for a character like uh, Han Solo is inherently flawed. Because if you look at uh, the original trilogy, he's really just the straight man to kind of the Luke Skywalker and Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan. He's Mm -hmm. just a guy Mm -hmm. with a ship. Yes. And, I mean, say what you will about any kind of prequels, but they do have an effect of kind of making the main character a myth. Mm -hmm. So, you have, like, the prequels. You have, like, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was kind of um, in... I do think the prequels do a really good job with Obi-Wan. He's I probably the best he's probably the best character in those movies. Yes. But I mean they do have an effort to kind of change how we feel about the original trilogy. I think the biggest impact with me is Darth Vader. Oh yeah. Cuz I, I because I, I like watching Empire in Vader being the menace that he is. It mm-hmm. just feels like this kid was pod racing 30 years ago, yelling, yes. "Yippee!" Uh, and take <laughs> I didn't even get me started on that. Um, but yeah, I think they do. I think they can have a really negative impact on watching the movies. But honestly, with all the problems Solo went with, which we're going to talk probably next, I really enjoy watching A New Hope knowing that we got to see the castle run and it was that yes. fun. Yes. I... Even though Alec Guinness in A New Hope kind of looks at Han Solo like, oh, this guy, this guy's completely incompetent. And they're like, mm. this is a piece of junk ship. <laughs> oh, the poor Millennium doesn't get its cut. So, you even have to beeline from that, the poor Millennium. <laughs> you have Ray talking about the piece of junk ship in The Force Awakens. And yeah. I think that's a fun, ongoing joke about that. Yeah. A little small appreciation for that. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I do want to go back to Galaxy's Edge real quick. I forgot about this. <laughs> um... We're going to be talking about The Force Awakens in The Last Jedi next week, and kind of the whole bat too feels like Tatooine. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jack who might as well be Tatooine. Because, come on. Exactly. It's, everything stems from Tatooine. It's hard to escape that planet. We'll we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, so not only does this, not only does Solo feel like it doesn't need to be a movie, but (laughs) boy, there were a lot of problems behind the scenes. You had, um, so for anyone who knows Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they have done Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. They've done the Lego movie. Great movie. Uh, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Awesome movie. Um, and they were tapped to direct this film. Um, and about halfway through, they were fired for creative differences because, um, the movie that they were creating was more improvised. Yes. Um, it was kind of looser, but Star Wars needed it to be kind of strict and um, go with the timeline in the canon, which I do think is kind of a problem with Star Wars. It's got such a vast history that it yes. can be contained. I think that's the problem with prequels and a problem that Disney Star Wars has right now because they kind of just go uh, to the same era. They go in between three and four. Mm-hmm. And even with like something Constantly, like yes. The Mandalorian, I think it's better because it's more open because it's the 30-year jump from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but it's still constricted by that mm-hmm. time because we have to get to the First Order somehow, so you can't really tell a story that is your vision, especially something that improvised that Phil Lord and Chris Miller wanted to do, and obviously, as I said, they were fired, and they had to reshoot 75% of the movie with uh, Ron Howard. 
I wish they kept the original. Of course they couldn't, but I don't know. Maybe I would have liked it more. <laughs> I link in it a lot to um, Ant-Man, which um, for those who don't know, Ant-Man was kind of the passion project and was going to be directed by uh, Edgar Wright, who's done some of the best movies of uh, the decade in the past two decades with like Shaun of the Dead, uh, Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's he's done a one. really, he's done great movies. And his idea with Ant-Man, um, uh, to me, I've heard a lot of stuff about it and I really enjoy it, but he f- got fired like halfway through and they brought on Peyton Reed and the end product. I really enjoy the first Ant-Man movie. I do too. That's one of my favorites. And I think, uh, I think the lead does a lot of heavy lifting for that. I think Paul yes. Rudd's great in oh, Ant-Man. he's fantastic. Perfectly and cast. My emotions to Ant-Man, I think Ant-Man's a little bit better than Solo, probably. But they're kind of the same. I think the biggest thing for both movies is that I really enjoy both films. And there's something there that I just keep going back to. And I think the root of it is the lead actor. I think yes. the performances there are really yes. great. They're needed to be able to... Ant-Man's a good film by... I'm going to say by itself, we needed we needed Han to be perfectly cast in order to carry a film such as this. Yeah, I think I think Solo had a lot more pressure on it mm-hmm. than Ant-Man because obviously you have Harrison Ford. It's he's perfectly cast. It's an iconic role. There's no way anyone else could be Han Solo. Oh, That's what was going through my mind before the lead up to this film. And I think Alden Ehrenreich is the best part of this film. He's fantastic. From the start. He was a breakout star for me. From the start, he is Han Solo. Mm -hmm. I watched this on Monday. I watched it again for like the first time in like half a year. And it just, it's striking. He's Han Solo. He's not doing an impression of Harrison Ford, which that kind of performance is in this movie. I'll get to that. But um, he's not really doing an impression of Harrison Ford. It feels like a natural progression. Oh, to, yes. Back from A New Hope to where he was now. Completely. He's, and yeah. Do you have anything else to say with Alden Ehrenreich? I think it's just I'm great. I'm sure he was probably not to assume things, but I'm sure he was probably nervous trying to be this character that is so iconic. And you have Harrison Ford. So saying that he had some pressure in order to not mess this up or to make us think that there are. I don't know, like two different solos, if that makes sense. Yeah. Compared to the solo and seeing him first in The New Hope. So I think that's probably my favorite. I know we're talking more about it later, but I think that's my favorite part of the film is how well he made his Han solo out to be because he so could have <laughs> messed that up. Yeah. So. I mean, it's such. They, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, and Hall Narenreich, they were playing so far behind. They had such a bad start with this, obviously, with behind the scenes, but. The impression of another Han Solo, I mean, you have Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think that worked really well. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you've got Ewan McGregor and Alec McGinnis, completely different parts of Obi-Wan's life. And you have uh, Palpatine, who was in the prequels and Mm -hmm. the original trilogy, but it was done by the same actor, Ian McDermott. Um, But Han Solo uh, and Solo and then A New Hope, it's the same character pretty much five years in between in between each mm-hmm. other with two different actors yep. that is that should not it be should not done have as been good <laughs> it should not have been done as well as it was yeah. i commend on there aaron reich for doing that yeah. he did a great job oh for sure i want to talk about i mean obviously with han solo uh if you're making a han solo movie i think there's besides chewbacca 
Oh, uh, I think there's one person that has to be in the movie. Lando Calrissian. Your favorite. Maybe my favorite character <laughs> in Star Wars. Uh, and when I heard that Donald Glover was playing Lando <laughs> Calrissian, I love Donald Glover. I love his music. Atlanta is amazing. If you have not seen Atlanta, go see it. Uh, it's three seasons long. It's amazing. Um, I but I thought that was perfect casting. And watching Donald Glover, I've seen the movie three times. Watching him each time, it's it's weird. I've got a weird relationship <laughs> with his performance as Lando because I really like uh, I really like some parts of it, but mm-hmm. it does feel like an impression of Billy D. Williams in ways that Alden Ehrenreich isn't doing an impression of Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. He feels more of a character. He feels more of like of a caricature, but I do really like the idea, and it it is said in the movie, kind of implied, that he's kind of faking it. He doesn't have the clout that he does in Empire. Oh yeah. So he's kind of it's kind of a Lando that isn't really uh, as he's not the Cloud City guy. He's not. <laughs> he doesn't have that power when we first meet him in Empire, and he's faking it. And I really like that. You see that in the. Uh, the cards game when he plays cards with a uh, Han, he's faking, he's cheating, yes. and there's a bit of a vulnerability to that, and I really enjoy that, and it does kind of uh, enforce the character. He's kind of impersonating what he wants to be, which is Billy yes. D. Williams, and I think that does work. It yes, I was not as impressed with his performance as I was with Alden's, so. It was kind of hard to like put them up against each other, because, yeah. but they were still trying to be these two iconic characters with two iconic actors. But his performance was fun, and I think that's a key word, because every time he would come on the screen, I'd get excited that he's back, yeah. and he's going to say something funny, or he's going to make a sly comment at Han. So, Lohan? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I thought... He was, again, perfectly well cast for that. Not as great as a performance as Alden's, but he made the movie fun for me. I think it's a very different performance. It's hard to compare, as you said. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think, I think pretty much the rest of the cast does their job well, mm-hmm. even if some don't have a lot. We'll get to that mm-hmm. compared to others. I think Woody Harrelson's really fun in this movie as he Beckett. Good. I don't like his character, though. I don't like his wig. That's Ew, probably my biggest yeah. problem with it. Just let Woody Harrelson be Woody Harrelson. Um, <laughs> I think, honestly, Besides Alden Ehrenreich uh, and probably Donald Glover, um, Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, he's he's such a good one-off villain because he is menacing, but he's charismatic and it feels genuine. It's almost freaky watching his performance because, like you said, what how you just like described him, it's such total opposites to have in a character. Like you have Darth Vader and Kylo who are dark and they're struggling with their past and what's going on even now, and then. You have Dryden, and he's just, not to say bubbly, that's the wrong word to use, but yeah, like he said. He's, he's fun. Yes. Everyone in this movie is fun. Mm-hmm. And looking at like Rogue One, the villain in Rogue One, the, um, it's Ben Mendelsohn. I forget, I forget the character's name. He wears that really cool cape. He uh, works for the Empire. Uh, and I think that's an att- a testament to uh, how unmemorable he is as a character. I forget <laughs> his name, but Dryden Voss comes right off the Crimson Dawn. Dryden oh, Voss, it comes Crimson right Dawn. off the uh, right off the tongue. And I just think it's honestly this movie is really memorable. It's got pretty underrated great heist action. I was just thinking about that. 
there's scene after scene, and I'm like, oh, how could you have another heist and not... How, how can you one-up it? And every time they one-up it. Yeah, especially... I think the Kessel Run's great. Yes. I think it improves A New Hope. Because yes. when they talk about the Kessel Run, it's like, we saw that. That's great. Yes. It's really fun. Um, I will say this movie is probably a testament to my belief that Star Wars is probably the perfect... Uh, cinematic universe because mm -hmm. in a way you could tell any kind of story in the Star Wars universe. You've got the prequels which feel like Shakespeare, uh, their attempt at Shakespearean uh, dramas, mm -hmm. tragedies. <laughs> uh, you have um, obviously the original trilogy are really fun, uh, fun space westerns. Yes. And um, you have something as different as The Last Jedi, which uh, can defy expectations. And we'll get to that next week. <laughs> yeah, and I think Solo, I mean, you could tell a really fun heist movie. Mm -hmm. This is a really fun heist movie, a lot like Ant-Man, which yes. is a really fun heist movie. Yes. And as we said, it's got great action. It's my biggest takeaway from the film is that it's just fun. I love it. That's, yes, that's the most positive out of it all. I'm like, again, like I said earlier, it's not my most favorite Star Wars film or it wasn't like I was blown away by it. It's just fun to watch. And it's a great take on my favorite Han Solo. So again, keyword fun, yeah. good performances, yeah. I think that wraps up kind of my positives for the film. I think the yes. positives outweigh the negatives, yes. at least in my opinion. I see kind of see past most of the negatives, but obviously there's some flaws with this movie. I think it does lack a bit of substance. The movie is about kind of, uh, Beckett says it, uh, about everyone will betray you. Mm -hmm. And I just think it doesn't do a very good job, especially with... Uh, Kira's character. I do not like that girl. I um I think Amelia Cart does a fine job yes. with it. I think she's She's a great actress. I just think she isn't given much because um it starts off with her and Han and they get separated, but then a three year time jump goes on and th every thirty minutes after that we're reminded, oh Kira's changed. She's not the same person you <laughs> remember. Annoying. But we don't really see that when she's back with um Han, you just see the thing on her wrist, and it just feels like uh, we don't really f see that. You're telling me this three times, maybe more throughout the film, <laughs> but I don't really see how much she's changed. She's still flirty with Han. She's still kind of the same person. Yeah. And I, that's, I think her betrayal at the end, spoiler alert, but <laughs> she, her betrayal of Han, um, it makes sense on paper, but I think there wasn't enough there to kind of weight it to make it a real betrayal. Exactly. I wasn't really shocked in the end. Like, having Beckett betray Han and then having yeah. Kira's betrayal, like, that's two right there, totally affecting Han's life. Like but the last 30 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. But both of them, I was, I just kind of, like, nodded. I'm like, yeah, okay, that happened. I do think Beckett's betrayal's better, but I think it's, I, I honestly think it's executed worse. It's weird. Yes. I think uh, there's a great video on YouTube from uh, Nando V Movies. He does like a script doctoring, and he says um, it would be better if Beckett doesn't show up when it was an when it was revealed that he betrayed Han. Because, that, yes, that would have been if, so much better. If you have the, the last, the, the next uh, encounter between Han and Beckett after the reveal that he betrayed him, be that standoff mm -hmm. where Han shoots him. I think that works a lot better than him just walking in and saying, sorry, kid. It just, 
his dumb it's a dumb quote to say i told you not to trust anyone i'm like oh come on it's uh, it's it's obvious out of here it's very obvious did not enjoy that i kind of laughed at that part rewatching it because i was expecting it to to say this stupid line yeah. and i'm just like ugh. but in that way like the whole i think i think kind of before and after the castle run i think the movie kind of drags yes because, and especially after i think because of that betrayal it just feels like, oh, we got to wait for them to meet each other and again and have a final confrontation. If he's not there before, it's kind of like, will we see Beckett again? Mm-hmm. Will he get away with this? Mm-hmm. And I think Beckett, um, in concept, and I think throughout most of the film, I think it's done pretty well, that he is kind of what Han could have been. Yes, but totally. it feels like Han, especially with the Cloud Riders, helping them, giving them the... Um, I forget the MacGuffin of the film. The, um, uh, it's the material. He gives them that, and it shows that he's got a good, a bit of goodness in his heart mm. that makes his uh, role in A New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi, and even in The Force Awakens, it um, it makes it feel like believable in that yes. way. And I think that does a really good. I think that does a pretty good job with that. Yes. But um, yeah, I think I think this movie also suffers from like kind of winking nods to other parts of Star Wars. I think the worst part in any of the Disney Star Wars movies, um, it's the worst part since the, uh, I think it's the worst Star Wars part since Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar yelling at each other. Uh, I don't like that part. Uh, it's the whole, how Solo got his last name. Oh yeah, what a disappointment. The, uh, for anyone who's seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's like so, so like, on the nose like oh this is bad this is obvious it's almost as bad as i told you not to trust anyone i think it's much worse (laughs) and i think i think the second kind of i think the big reveal of the film is kind of lukewarm for me the whole again spoiler alert that uh kira turns on han uh at the end because she's uh a player for darth maul Mm -hmm. making his first on-screen uh, appearance since the Phantom Menace when he yeah. got his legs chopped off. That's Obviously, awesome. for people who have watched uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels, he was he had a big um, uh, role in those uh, series. He was obviously wasn't killed after the Phantom Menace. That's fine with me. But having him back and kind of running Crimson Dawn, that was kind of the big reveal. It kind of felt like what yeah. when I watched it, it was like Darth Maul. He just kind of popped up. I was not expecting it, which is probably what the directors wanted, yeah. but it just wasn't a good surprise. Yeah, it felt really like out of left field and like I do like that it's kind of a nice step in the right direction with Star Wars, uh the Disney Star Wars acknowledging the prequels and that mm-hmm. they happened and kind of not pushing them to the side, which I think The Force Awakens and Rogue One did. And I think the Last Jedi does it. Much, I think the Last Jedi does it really well in its themes and its message. Yes. And um, I think Solo kind of falters on it, but I think it, at least it tries. Mm-hmm. It tries to be risk. It's it's a risky move, but in a movie that doesn't take a lot of risks. Yes. So yeah, I think this movie's a bit safe and it lacks a lot of substance, yeah. but. It didn't make it far in the Star Wars realm of things. It was not that much hype to it. Yeah. Oh, and that's, I, I actually wanted to talk about that. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> this movie is by far the least grossing Star Wars film. Yeah. It made less than $400 million. And 
which I mean, even Attack of the Clones made six hundred million. Oh, I think. God. So, bad uh, I mean, looking at, I mean, obviously, I think, I think Disney scheduling at that time for Solo killed the movie. It came out in the summer. I think it should have came out like November, mm-hmm. where its biggest competition uh, competition was like Mary Poppins Returns or something That's like a that. Fantastic movie. Well, though. yeah, but like, <laughs> I mean, you have. You have Mary Poppins Returns and you have Solo. That's kind of two different demographics. So yes. they kind of, they're not kind of fighting for that. True. But, um, I mean, if you look at the movie Solo was going up against, Avengers Infinity War was like a month before. And that's a Disney movie. I don't get why they had a Star Wars movie six months after the device of La- The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it was right after um, Infinity War. And, I mean, I think statistics say... On average, people go to the theaters five times a year. So if they've seen Infinity War, why are they going to go see Solo? Especially after, and it feels like um, going from The Force Awakens to Rogue One, it felt like, oh, another new Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And going from The Last Jedi, especially for some who didn't like The Last Jedi, because that is a vocal vocal minority. Going from not liking The Last Jedi and seeing Solo comes out in six months, it feels like, oh, another Star Wars movie? So yeah, sense of deja vu to that. Yeah. And I think, I think, I kind of want to, uh, I think our final, the final thing I want to talk about is kind of the method of the Star Wars stories that they're doing. But uh, what are your final takeaways from Solo? Final impressions? I think I said on the last podcast, but good, not great. Okay. If- I like saying that because, again, like I said and what we said before, fun movie, some great performances in there. But then I also always think back to how Solo got his last name and those Mm, cliche betrayals. And so they did a nice job with it because, like we said, this could have been a disaster for Disney and totally could have ruined the character of how I think of Han and how other people think of him and interpret him. But like we said, they kept it safe. They made a solid film. They had some fun parts. You got some jabs. You have your classic on solo. So good, not great. Yeah. I think, I mean, as I've said throughout this entire 30 minutes talking about it, I do have major flaws with this movie. It's very flawed. It's not perfect. Um, and like I said, um, I'll get to, wait, I'll get to that. But um, pretty much watching it on Monday, every problem I had with it, I pretty much forgot about when. Han and Lando gambled. Yeah. It was weird. I've, I thought I was going to be very critical of this movie because I'm critical of a lot of movies, <laughs> but it's just escape. It's escapism fun. Yes. And I don't really think like if you go into the mindset of let's not think about it too much, it's <laughs> such a <laughs> fun a, movie. Yes. And I really enjoyed rewatching it. I think every time I watch it, it gets better. I agree to that. I come more friendly with it the more times i watch it and like i said it's and like you said it's uh this movie should have been a disaster yeah but it's better than it should be but it's also i kind of find it's sad that it's a movie that disney kind of swept under the rug and that's why it, it was kind of a financial disaster for them disney's pretty smart though they probably strategically did that they just won't admit it well once so i think once solo came out it was like all right we get jj abrams let's get nine they, out yep. we need to make back the profits yep. which they probably will they probably have with galaxy's edge going yep. back to that so yeah it's um, all intertwined before we end i wanted to 
uh, let's talk about the Star Wars story methods, kind of the spinoffs. Mm-hmm. I think I, the first one was Rogue One and now Solo. And I, I think Rogue One's a better film than Solo, even though I don't, I like Solo more. Solo is more enjoyable, but Rogue One's visually gorgeous. Yes. But both, in my opinion, both don't need to exist. I agree to that. And I think the whole Star Wars story idea is is really good in concept. I think you could tell stories way before the prequels and mm-hmm. way after, like, The Rise of Skywalker. And you can call those Star Wars stories, but they're not bound by anything. Mm-hmm. Like I said with um, the way Lord and Miller were fired because they had to... Uh, go to a specific thing, stay with the timeline. But I think the problem with Disney Star Wars is that they've been milking the period before, uh, between three and four way too much. Agree to that. And it too. shows in Rogue One and Solo. Rogue One is not my most favorite film, so I don't have much to say about that hmm. one. It's been a long time since I've watched it again. I it's watched just, it recently. Really? It's, yeah. I just can't get myself to do it again. It's such a commitment to me to be able to sit and watch Rogue One. But, again, it's a nice Star Wars movie. I'll agree that it's more appealing to watch than Solo due to the how keen they make the graphics and all that. Yeah. I also agree that it has a better plot line Ooh, in the I think I think Solo is better. You like Solo's more? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rogue One I think is more strategic, and then Solo is more fun. That's yeah, my I opinion. I care about almost all the characters in Solo. Yes, I don't care about watching Rogue One. I watched it twice since August. Mm-hmm. I watched it recently with my brother. I don't care about a single character Same. in Rogue One. I have, no. Usually, I'm all for strong female characters, but this time I was Jin, like, Ugh. yeah, Jin is a bad impression of Rey. Yep, big pass on her. Yeah. No one can top well. Leia can maybe top Ray, but oh god, Ray's yeah. amazing. We'll be talking about Ray next week. So, I think I think Disney's gonna learn from their lesson with Solo because obviously it wasn't the Star Wars movie that people wanted, and I mean I think I think it's a better idea to do these Star Wars stories as TV shows, and I think The Mandalorian yes. shows that it's very popular. I'm kind of lukewarm on it right now, but I'm I I see the potential, and I'm so excited for the Obi Wan show. Can, oh, that will be fantastic. But even even though I think they're going in the right direction, I think they're st- they're still milking three to, in between three and four. Mm-hmm. And they need a jump. I don't want to see any more of that. Yeah, and I think like one of the most beloved Star Wars things is Knights of the Old Republic, which is way before yeah. anything in Star Wars. So I think I think they should play with that those eras more. We need something new after the. It wraps Sky up. Wars. That, yes. it's Skywalker Saga. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to need, I think I'm going to be emotionally destroyed by that movie. That's my hypothesis. So I'm going to need something to satisfy how upset I'll probably be <laughs> once it's over. Yeah. I think, I think the best way to go, I'm probably going to say this again next week because I'm a big fan of Ryan Johnson. Give Ryan Johnson his own trilogy. Give him Please, the trilogy. That'd be amazing. And speak up. Uh, uh, final words from the podcast. Uh, we're hitting an hour. Great time. <laughs> Final thoughts on either Galaxy's Edge or Solo, something you wanted to add? Um, I'm going back to Galaxy's Edge because really, again, not to sound cliche, but it seriously made an impact on my life. Being there and being immersed in the storybook, especially I'm glad I went like um, less than a month before the last movie comes out. So it's kind of a perfect That's time true. frame for me to be there and to be 
so excited for watching Star Wars kind of come to a close there. So it's definitely something I'll remember in my lifetime. And I love that for Disney to make an impact on my life like that. And for me to move from loving the princesses and liking Cinderella's castle to loving seeing the Millennium Falcon, not so much Smuggler's Run, and hopefully Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, I think, I think I've kind of babbled on for my takes throughout this episode enough, but I, and I've talked about Star Wars so much, but I, <laughs> I want to, I, this week I saw a ton of great new movies that came out that I would highly recommend. I mean, Obviously, Star Wars is great, Marvel's great, but I think people should really be watching like some of the movies that are getting the highest reviews. I'm really excited for Marriage Story. I'm probably going to see that. Ooh, or, I might watch that. I'm probably going to see that later today. I'm really excited for that. I saw The I'm Irishman driver. last week. Yep. Um, fantastic. And going back to Ryan Johnson, Knives Out. Right now, it's my favorite movie of the year. If you yeah. haven't seen Knives Out, go see Knives Out. That's, that's the final thing I wanted to say. I just love it. that movie. So uh, that concludes it. We hit an hour. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to come next week when we talk about the Ooh. new movies, The uh, Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. It'll be good. And yeah, thanks for listening. Never tell me the odds.